BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yo, check this out. This is Chuck D. And keep it locked. You are tuned into the library. The lives are buried. With Tim Inico. Right here, right now. Rapstation.com. I get to bustin' like I'm a 30 out 6 when I'm ripping the beat up, but then I heard he got pissed when I got at the top and they made him pretty hot. Cause he know when the second is a dirty chop. He's handled Holmes, he is a handful. Holmes Sanchez is an award-winning chef, owner of Johnny Sanchez. He's the author of Simply Food, Big Flavor, Unforgettable Mexican-inspired recipes from my kitchen to yours, and La Comida del Barrio. I've become more familiar with him because of his many appearances on Chopped as a judge on the Food Network. And he's begun his second season of the show on the cooking channel called Taco Trip. Yep. So, Chancellor, thank you for joining me on the library of Timonico and RapStation.com. Oh, man, thanks for having me, brother. So, I want to really quickly refer back to Chopped. One thing that really I, I appreciate about uh, watching you do the judging on Chopped is that you speak a lot about your mother and the influence she had on you as a chef. And I, but I imagine when you were growing up, and maybe I'm wrong, like when I was growing up and I watched my parents cook, you just saw it as like they're just cooking for us. You know, they're putting a need, there's a need for that. Uh, but when did you realize that cooking for your mom and then cooking for yourself was something more than just cooking? It yeah. was more of like an art form of an artistic expression. Well, you know, a lot of chefs are conflicted about the idea of cooking being an art form because it's it's a need, you know what I'm saying? So, like, it kind of bugs me when people say, oh, I can't cook. Well, that's like saying I can't, I can't breathe. It's like a need that every human has. But whether you're good at it or not, and, and what the interpretation of, the, of that is, it's up to the person that's eating. But when I saw my mom cooking, I understand that it was directly linked to my culture and a way of preservation of, of identity through, through food. So it was for us... Um, it was one of those experiences where when, when, when she did it, when she cooked for us, I, at that moment when I was young, I didn't understand the, the gravity of it. As I got older, I started to understand how much goes into it, how much understanding of ingredients and food and where they come from and the links. And those those have allowed the cooking process to be more fulfilling. Also, I imagine, I had this huge imagination that when you your mom was cooking, there was music playing. In her kitchen. Yep. What was she listening to when you were growing up? And then how do you think your mother's music influenced what you listen to today? That's a good question. I, um, my mom always kind of listened to rancheras, you know, like kind of old school Mexican music, mariachi music, and then a lot of ballads, and, but mostly in Spanish. And then she also introduced us a lot to like, you know, she's a, she's a product of the 60s, so, you know, we had the Who playing, and we had all, you know, Cream, and all the old school, you know, all the old school stuff that, that she really enjoyed, you know, and so I was kind of introduced to that side of music, and, you know, all the little Woodstock thing, and what was important about that, and 
So it was, it was interesting. It was between that and Mexican music. I was Googling you, as everyone does nowadays, uh, and I saw an interview you did with uh, Afropunk a few years ago, and, and you, you said you were a fan of Tech Nine, and I was kind of in a weird way blown away by that because I think it's just like a, a great artist, ran, I think more random, I guess, artists to think about. And I was wondering what, what, what one would draws you that artists like Tech Nine, and then also what defines a good artist in music for you? Yeah. Well, you know, well, I, I got introduced to Tech, and I had a restaurant in Kansas City, and he's from there, so. I saw him kind of play locally, and I just, and then I finally saw what kind of following he had. And then I saw him again. I did a whole thing for the House of Blues, where I revamped their menu for about five years. So he came to Vegas, and I saw him in Vegas, and I was just blown away by uh, how much, uh, how they, he controlled the room. You know, and he was up there with his boys, and they were like going off. And it was, it was a show. It wasn't like kind of the contemporary stuff. We got a lot of guys screaming on the mic, you know, and like no one's. You, you want to you want to come and hear the old jams, so you yeah. want to hear the jams. And I was very impressed with the, the, the theatrics of his show. So I like him, and and I guess for me, what defines great artists are people like Chuck D, people like Gangstar, all the old like the Native Tongue guys, you know, because that's that's the era I grew up in. So I grew up in New York City, you know, going to Brooklyn, you know, listening to, to you know to Rakim, listening to Chuck, and listening to all those people, and I just I love. I love them, and what I think defines a good artist like that is they were doing it for pure love, you know what I mean? And that's what they wanted. They weren't influenced by the music the industry, you know what I mean? Um, you know, as you, I mean, as you talked about, as we, also, we know hip-hop is not just about having fun. As much as cooking is not just about having fun. Yeah. Uh, it represents a social movement and an artistic freedom and expression. Uh, as a chef, or you know, as a lover of food, can you tell us any lessons you've taken from going up listening to hip-hop music? Well, the, the idea about being conscious of ingredients, I think hip-hop music is, is consciousness. It really makes it makes you wake up yeah. and understand what's happening in the world. And, and, and to, you know, to punch of view that not necessarily have a great narrative, you know what I'm saying? Like, people grow up hard, people grow up with adversity, and then hip-hop is a way to, to free themselves. It's a way to glamorize a little bit of, of, a, of a bad situation yeah. at times. Uh, so the food, for me, just now I make good decisions. Like, I understand I can't order this kind of fish because it's, it's not sustainable. Right. I've got sh- to gotta shop locally because that's what people have been doing since a long time. i got to hire people legally and pay them accordingly. Hip-hop informs me to do that. Oh, and, uh, How do you... Um, so with hip-hop, with lyrics, I mean, whether it's hip-hop music or rock and roll or uh, whatever... Uh, Obviously, if you hear a lyric, you know what the artist is expressing. How do you do that with food? Like, if you have a goal with a dish you're preparing, how do you let us know, as the consumer or as the eater, like, what your mission was with this type of food? Well, you say it through a lot of things, you know, you say it through catch, you know, how you stay the menu. This is crispy, sweet and sour this, or slow, you know, braise, slow braise this. So I'm giving you an indication of what it's supposed to be. And that's why it's very, people have to be very careful when they label food. Because if you don't deliver on the on the description, it's a letdown. So when I say crispy, it better be crispy. You know what I'm saying? So there's my goal. So it has to do a lot with presentation, like the colors and, and the composition, and then also just description. Uh, obviously, 
there's, there's more and more as I watch Chop, um, and even the Food Network, you 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 learn. It's more about. It's not just about cooking. It's about. You know, it's like you said. It's about expressing yourself. Um, and with music, you know, the littlest things could always like prompt you to write a song. Um, has there ever been a time in your career, or even prior, maybe before even becoming a professional, uh, that a piece of music kind of like prompted you to create a dish, or even vice versa, where a dish prompted you to like get in your car or get on the subway and you know hear music? And what would what do you remember what music that was, and do you remember what dish that was? Yeah. Well, you know, for me. We cook with music. Like during the day when we're prepping, getting ready for service, like think about it as a show. The curtain goes up at five o'clock and we're ready to go. So during before that, all we do is listen to music prior to that. So and then you know, for me it's like like I love I love the idea of something like Airbnb or like the old school stuff from you know, deep cover and like crazy stuff like that that I like and we'll play that. And then how it influences the food. It's just like ceviche. You know, when I hear a strong beat or something like that, it makes me want to cook fast. It makes me want to, like, sort of get my energy up. So that's kind of how we influence the food. Um, yeah, but it's funny. Like, you know, you'll be listening to some rap songs, you know, or hip-hop. They'll, they'll put in little words, you know, like about food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? And, that, and, I, and I think that's cool. Um, do, do chefs ever get the equivalent of writer's block? Like, I guess, like, like cooking block. Uh, and then how do you, as a chef, how do you... I know some artists, they listen to, like, they do. They might listen to, like, an old-school album and that kind of like, gets them writing again, or they force themselves to write. As a chef, how do you get over, I guess, what would be cooking block? Well, yeah, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll answer, I'll answer with, you know, like, I'm a fan of Maxwell, I'm a fan of Sade, and they asked Sade and Maxwell why it took so long for them to put out their, 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 their most recent album. And they said, I didn't have anything to write about. I needed to live life. Right, right, yeah. How am I going to put this, like, pump-out album when I don't have anything that's influenced it yeah. or inspired? So, the same thing with us. Like, I find inspiration through, through food, through cooking with grandmas, going to markets, and traveling. Like, that's how I get it. And, I, and of course, sometimes I find myself shuffling through dishes that I've done 10 years ago. Because I have, I don't have something new that I want. But in food, it's very different. Like, we got to, I find myself wanting to cook now, like, more old school than new school. Okay. As you get older, as an artist, you want to just do that simple stuff, the things that really affect you. Right, I mean, there's a, yeah, there's a, there's that interesting thing with, I mean, with the people we grew up listening to, um, that, you know, there's this idea that you have to become an adult, right, as a hip-hop artist, and you can't rap about, like, how many women you got, or how many, because if you're, like, a 50-year-old dude rapping about that, and you're trying to send three kids to college, no one's going to believe you, right? Yeah, so yeah. I imagine as a, as a chef, as you get older, you have to kind of, like, I guess well, yeah. mature, right? As a, well, absolutely. You have to also think about, you know, what is the legacy you want to live, you know? And for me, it's like, you know, I want to make sure that I'm doing dishes that honor my grandma. I want to make sure that I'm doing dishes that are easy to, that are executable without me. Like, I'm not at my restaurants, everyone I have, all the time. Right, so right. I need to be able to compose dishes that are that are consistent and being able to execute them through other people. I want to uh, soon talk about your, uh, the new series, uh, Taco Trip, but I have uh, one more question uh, on hip-hop. Yeah. And uh, obviously, you know, hip-hop is always deals with this, like, commercialization and with the benefits or the, you know, the, the negatives of being commercialized. Commercialization benefits could be that more people listening to it uh, that wouldn't have heard it before 
the negatives is that's not the true school anymore. Yep. Uh, is there an equivalent of commercialization in food? Oh, absolutely. And then, uh, and also, and this is like this could tie into Taco Trip. With your show, Taco Trip, how do you... How do you try to stay away from the commercialization aspect of the food industry? Well, yeah, I mean, it's real simple. You're absolutely right. You, you bring up a good point. Like, like hip-hop has become a business. You know, I mean, Jay-Z is a perfect example. He's, he's a mogul, like, yeah. you know? Like, he's a person that doesn't consider himself probably hip-hop artist. He's, 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 he's a businessman. Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, and he says it. Yeah. He, you know, and, and that's where, and I appreciate that and I respect that because, you know what, the days of hip-hop are rhyming on the corners are over, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so from food, it's the same thing. Like, when I was growing up eating, and you probably share the same story, you remember going to restaurants and meeting the owner? Yeah, yeah, And yeah. the owner was, like, you know, working the tables and his, you know, wife was a cook in the back and those days are so hard because now you have chain restaurants like you know you know all the big ones that you can mention you know what I mean yeah. uh, you know, P.F. Chang's and all these other things and, and what they're doing is that they're cutting out the small person and the way I stay away from that is by trying to open restaurants and markets that are relevant and artistic like I'm opening a restaurant in Austin in February and that's a cool town it's full of young creative people and I like that so I try to stay away from the corporatization of restaurants by opening up a certain size of them and not diluting the brand like I try not to call my restaurants the same thing in different cities because the reason being is what happens if you go to New Orleans my restaurant have an experience and you go to Austin and it's not the same thing but it has the same name that's why you have to try to like maybe name difference you're creating a different experience. Um, yeah, as we talk, on, 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 on Taco Trip, you, you take the viewer across the U.S., just, quote, exploring the landside of every city, encountering the chefs, families, and locals we have helped define, who have helped define each city's culinary landscape. Uh, what role does this show play for you personally as a chef, but also as a person? And then why is it important for you, not just to share the light inside of every city with the viewer, but also for you to go through these own personal experiences? Again? Yeah. Well, it's great. I mean, the biggest the biggest honor I get is going to these people's homes, and they're doing something that's so intimate to them. Cooking food is very intimate. I'm creating something for you, and we're, there's an exchange of energy, and, you know, it's beautiful. And, the, the cool thing about the show is that it's not really about me at all. It's really, I'm just a guy. Like, I'm taking the viewer on a trip. You know what yeah. I mean? And, and the idea is that I want to highlight the people that are making the food and celebrate them and make sure their story's heard. And it's a place of inspiration for others. But imagine how many people out there that always wanted to open their own taqueria or open their own, their own restaurant and they couldn't do it because yeah. they were scared from their own fear. And then they see these other people doing it and they're like, I can do it that way. So it's really an inspiration. It's really a journey of, of, of you know, triumphant odds and all that kind of stuff, man. You know, and it's, it's really neat to see. Do they ever try to, like, do they really want your opinion about the taco? I mean, is, or is it harder for you to actually give an opinion about a piece of food when, and not just a piece of food, but a piece of food when uh, when you see the passion or the love that is made made yeah. by the food? Well, you know, I mean, I'm a Buddhist, man, so, like, I look at the beauty and everything, so it's like, if there's something, and I, and I have to say, look, we've, we've done... We just did 10 cities last time, and we visited about four places every city. So that's 40 places yeah. we've gone. And I can tell you safely and honestly, we've maybe had two duds out of 40. So that's that's a, that's a really good average. And, and everything that we're doing is is calculated. Like, we can't do the same kind of masala recipe we did in Austin because we're going to Nashville or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a lot goes into it, and we try not to have the same things. 
represented different stories, different kinds of people. Do you have a uh, do you have a, a music soundtrack that you're for this uh, taco trip? Yeah, like. You know, it's so hard, man. Like, I wanted to put so much music, but it's all copyright stuff. Like, literally, I'll tell you, we were in a, I was in Chicago, and the guy that we visited with played the guitar, and we started singing mariachi songs at the end of the show, and we couldn't include it, because we were singing songs that were, that were copyrighted. Oh, wow. Oh, I man. Mean, so you can imagine, like, what a really, like, sort of authentic, you know, spontaneous moment was, was being denied, because we couldn't pay the you know, yeah, I think a, a common theme would be a mariachi song, you know, because it's, it's sad and it's, it's, it's hopeful at the same time. Uh, okay, so of course we're in New York City. Yep. Uh, so I have to ask. Yeah. And I grew up here, so, and I still don't know. Uh, what, what, if you had to pick one spot to go to for a taco, you're, you know, you're in New York City for the day, where would you go? Well, I'll give you two places, or two areas, I should say. I would go to... Um, 116th Street, El Barrio, where I'm going to feature my first book, um, like around between 1st and 3rd Avenue. There's a really great place called Taco Mix, and it's just an old school, down and dirty taqueria that has a little bit of everything. And then there's another place called Tacos del Bronco, which is in Sunset Park in Brooklyn, and they do Al Pastor, like the oscillating spit one. And that's probably the best taco I've, uh, I've had in the city. So between those two places, yeah. So I went to school 10 blocks away from 116th, so that'll be uh, There you go. Uh, so what's next for you? I mean, you have the second season, you have a taco trip, and then what? I mean, how do we keep going? Like, what's next? But also, how do the listener keep following what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, you know, we're going to try, we're going to do another season of taco trip, I would imagine. But, you know, right now we're in the process of filming 52 new chops, so it's like it's like a juggernaut show that's going to take us all the way to probably the, the end of the winter as far as how much we're going to shoot. So I'm doing that. Opening up a restaurant in Austin. I'm doing my third book now. So just a lot going on, you know, and I, you know, I'm traveling a lot. You know, New Orleans is sort of my home and New York's my home. Um, and you guys can always just check me out, man, like on, on my website, chefadonsanchez.com, or like on Instagram, which is chef underscore adonsanchez. And, you know, you can follow me through and keep up with me. He's uh, Chef Ron Sanchez, uh, new show, uh, Taco Trip, airs Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern on the Cooking Channel. Uh, Chef Ron, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, man. And love, love to everybody out here on the station. And love, love to Chuck D and everybody that's keeping uh, keeping the, the eyes and ears open of, of America, man. It's been my honor being part of the show. Thank you. Thank you. Been rocking the dish with the different sick and psycho with the flick of the equivalent. People normally would not stay all on the jock, but I'm asking for deliverance. We don't need any smoking, you hoping for choking, but and take the best in the beers. Cause everybody's repping the kid, but you wasn't checking, checking, messing with his. Rock and roll, flow, rock and roll. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer. Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. 
Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.